Ain't like I'm gonna be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty damn good at it too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Got through my first date without him, right? Mm. I learned how to drive, I learned how to shave, I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a damn card. Down with him! Will. Nah, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm gonna get through college without him. I'm gonna get a great job without him. I'm gonna marry me a beautiful honey, and I'm having me a whole bunch of kids. I'm gonna be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that, because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come he don't want me, man? I'm sure you remember where was that audio clip from if you are in your 20s or 30s. It is the first and only time in my whole 30 years of living where I cried my eyes out watching a TV comedy show. It was 20 years ago and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was the top show on TV. I was barely 10 years old and I couldn't hold my tears when Will Smith asked Uncle Phil, why don't he want me? Well, for the next 4 to 5 years, I noticed a lot of my friends are in similar situations too. They had absentee fathers for various reasons. Back then, I assumed that their fathers left them and these fathers were horrible human beings. Then, when I was a little grown up, I watched a show called The Fighter in the cinema. Again, this was the first time I cried in the cinema. It's a show about redemption, where Mark Wahlberg, the main character in the movie, was the absentee father who was forced out by his ex-wife and he was trying his best to reunite and provide for his daughter. Just listen to this scene and you'll get what I mean. Hey, hey, hey. how's it going? I don't think uh, Laura's expecting me right now. What's he doing here? This isn't your visitation day, Mickey. I just want to say hi to Casey. It's not your day, goodbye. Yeah, I'm not around next week. Come on, did you in the days you do have? No, I have a fight. I told you that. Jimmy. I, I, I can't get in the middle. I can't talk to her, okay? No. So I'm asking you, Jimmy. I want to talk to my daughter now. Talk to your father. God damn it, Jimmy. Daddy's got to fight Sal Mandy. That's right. I'm going to tell you that after I win, I'm going to stop making good money. And I'm moving to a bigger apartment like we talked about so you can live a few more days, okay? Yeah, bigger apartment. Wish me luck, all right? Don't hold your breath, Casey. It's cruel and sleepy child, Mickey. Good luck, Daddy! In that scene, Mark Wahlberg just wanted to see his daughter before his big fight that can change his life. Alright, I'm not going to spoil the show for you, but when his ex-wife said, don't hold your breath to the little kid, I felt that hurt. I'm not sure why, but I cried knowing how heartbreaking it should be, especially for Mark Wahlberg. But that movie made me ask more questions about the scenario. I was wondering to myself, maybe not all dads are the same. Maybe the moms are to blame too. Maybe it's no one's fault. Maybe marriages just don't work. Maybe divorces don't work. Trust me, I had more questions than answers. I started uncovering more of the answer while I was watching Dr. Phil. I was 17 and it was during my school break. There was nothing interesting on TV on that particular day. 
I somehow ended up watching the wildly popular Dr. Phil's morning show. They didn't choose this. You chose it. The two of you got married. Both of you cheated in the marriage. Both of you lied in the marriage. Both of you have manipulated in this situation. And so your kids are reeling from it. And you may think that this will be a great win for you if they're all with you and hate her. But let me tell you something. Hear what I'm saying. This will backfire on you so bad you will never believe it. You won't see it coming. You will never believe it. The parent that alienates a child from the other parent ultimately winds up being on the very short end of the stick because these kids get smart enough to start thinking for themselves mm -hmm. and they're going to look around and say, why did you do this this way? Yep, that was my first introduction to the word alienation when it comes to parents. What he said stuck with me. I started empathizing and understanding both emotional and financial hardships of my friends who are going through a tough divorce. Throughout my 20s, there's many things that I learned. Things that I was not mature enough to process while I was a teenager. Of all those things I learned, the biggest lesson was marriage is hard and divorces are even harder. I watched so many of my friends and family go through this. About four years back, I came across an interview on CNN with Alex Baldwin. You might remember him as the guy who acts as Trump on Saturday Night Live. He wrote a whole book about his experience of going through a divorce and how he suffered both mentally and emotionally through it. So much of what I went through the last eight years, it was unnecessary. And it costs a fortune and more the psychic toll. I mean, I aged like 20 years in the last eight years. It really, it killed me. I was really tired. I mean, I, I mean, I can't think of anybody I have less respect for than some of the lawyers involved with my case. And, so, and that is that I believe that 50-50 custody should be the default position for men who want and earn 50-50 custody. Michael, let me start with you. What is the, the importance of this book, do you think? You know, there are some estimates that bit. say that yeah, in up to 80% of the cases, there's some level of alienation. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we see is that there's a, there's a wide range. So it can be from very mild to, to very, very severe. And uh, in, in, in Alex's case, it was severe, in your opinion. Uh, in my opinion, it was severe. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was, he was frustrated at every turn with respect to just being, uh, enjoying a natural relationship with his daughter and being her father. What made, it, what made it so severe, do you think? And whose fault was that? Well, I think there's a combination of factors there. I think that the court system today enables a, a parent who's inclined to be an alienator. The court will, will allow that to happen. I think that's unfortunate that all the vehicles to fight are already built into the system if there's a predisposition to that. So I think there's... That, that's an important yeah. distinction, and that is, forget about the litigants, because which is hard to do, but just for, for, the, for the purposes of this discussion, you know, litigants come and people come to the dissolution of a marriage with a lot of bitter feelings. Mm -hmm. they, a marriage is still a very important commitment to people. They have a lot of hope. Uh, they, they, they certainly didn't plan on things going that way. There's a lot of blame and acrimony. Uh, these are two people that should not be principal witnesses against each other in a trial. Mm -hmm. They are biased, 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 prejudiced people. And the courts know that. And the courts treat in family law and in divorce custody law, this is a civil proceeding that meets out criminal punishment. Mm -hmm. You were denied your rights as a parent based on the testimony of very, very biased people, not just the other, uh, 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 your ex-spouse, 
but some of her uh, collateral witnesses as well. And custody evaluations are very, very biased. But the thing is, the courts know this. Yeah. The courts, and they do nothing to stop it because it's a racket whereby people are lining their pockets with a lot of money. Well, we discussed that before about how it's just a big racket. Do you agree with that, Mark? Well, I do. Um, and one of the things, too, with, with parental alienation is it's not always the father who is alienated from the child. I'm working on a, on a book uh, currently with a woman who went through this very same thing where her son, it went, the alienation was so extreme that uh, the father had remarried and the stepmother told the child, because the, this couple was very young whenever they divorced, the, the new stepmother told the child, I am your real mother. This other woman, she's just this crazy lady who wants to pretend like she's your mother. So let's just go along with it uh, from time to time, but I'm really your mother. That's the depth of uh, the degree of alienation that she experienced. So it's not just something that is perpetuated against men, but it's also women experience this as well. It's when you have uh, you know, one parent or the other that has an alienating nature, uh, it's... Um, all bets are off on what's going to take place. Is it, it mostly women? Way. Is it mostly women who, well, who are the well, alienators? I, I think it's more importantly, not in some gender-specific way, women are more likely to have the power to alienate. Women are more likely to be given primary custody of a child because of the way that the, 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 the uh, processes have evolved over the years. Mm -hmm. So a woman is more likely to have primary custody and therefore alienate. I thought that I had some answers, some things figured out. But once I watched this interview with Alex Baldwin, I had way more questions. Is there a gender bias when it comes to the family court? Is there a way to make divorces work? What is the best way to decide on child custody? How to make a shared custody work? How to fix the current flawed divorce and custody laws? Is 50-50 the way to go when it comes to custody? How about domestic abuse? How does that fit in this whole alienation thing? Trust me, I had a lot of questions. In fact, I had way more questions about how the legal systems, politicians, and the people we elected to office have failed us when it comes to parental alienation. Did I wrongly assume that all parents who leave their kids did so because they are horrible human beings? Or did they get bullied, cornered, or worse, forced to abandon their children by the law, or maybe by their ex-spouse? Why is there not much exposure and discussions on this issue? The more I spend time searching for answers, the more I realize that this is a deep-rooted problem. The silver lining is that over the last few years, there are a lot of experts from psychologists, lecturers, researchers, NGOs, and even judges are trying to fight this injustice and bias, but it hasn't been easy. Let me show you how a judge named Lisa Gorka from United States did this and almost lost her job. Any lawyer, judge, mental health professional, or caseworker who has any involvement in the family court is aware that one of the most devastating issues we face is that of parental alienation. The definition of alienation is to make hostile where previous friendship had existed. Experts have devoted considerable scholarship and research to this topic because it is one of the most difficult problems to address. 
Parents alienate their children from the other parents by aligning with them, sharing information which is often biased and untrue with the children for the sole purpose of having the child reject the other parent. The judicial system has very few tools to fix this problem, especially with adolescents who are taking positions based on the emotional burden placed on them by a parent. To say that they want to see one parent would place them in direct opposition to the other parent who has convinced them that that parent they want to see is the enemy. While this court's remedy in this particular situation may seem drastic and offensive, so too is the notion that children have been convinced that the only way to maintain a stable and loving connection with mother is to vilify and reject a father. The decision was made so they could be put in a setting where they would not be emotionally manipulated and pressured to love one parent and hate the other, where they will receive counseling, support, and comfort in a safe place, where the message is that it's okay to love both their mother and their father. It was also a remedy the court took after five years of litigation and orders designed to foster relationships with both parents. In the five years this case has been ongoing, the court has received no credible evidence that father has done anything to negatively affect the mental, physical, or emotional health of these children. In fact, this father has moved mountains to be able to be part of his children's lives. All right, you heard the decision that she made on the trial after going through it for five years. But this is what actually happened. The children refused to go to visit their father because they have been brainwashed to believe that the father physically abused the mother. Seeing this, Lisa, the judge, got really angry with the kids and said that they were acting like members of a cult. Well, since the kids said that they would rather go to jail than visiting their father, she sentenced them to what basically is a kid's prison. She made sure that the mom and dad are not allowed to visit until they had been rethought to accept both their parents. The kids were in jail for a while and this case, of course, got a lot of media attention. Everyone kind of freaked out and demanded Lisa to be fired. She ended up being charged with abuse of power. Of course, she was found guilty, but ended up keeping her job. Now, my question is, did she really do anything wrong? Ultimately, she admitted that the decision is a bit drastic, but it's done to make sure that the kids have better future. So why did people freak out? You see, when it comes to parental alienation, even if you try to do the right thing, sometimes everything around you is designed to make sure that the injustice prevail. How insidious is this parental alienation issue? How deep do we need to go? For example, in my country, Malaysia, parental alienation is not mentioned, addressed or recognized by any law. In many countries, the politicians are purposely hiding the severity of this issue to keep a good image of the country. In countries like UK, there's a group of people who are fighting to include parental alienation within their domestic abuse bill. The progress has been extremely slow, but it is progress nonetheless. Now, there's another big part of this that we haven't talked about. Since the first time I cried watching The Prince of Bel-Air, to now, two decades after, I know one thing for sure. The person who is most affected and have experienced the most lost in all the situations is the child. 
Imagine being stuck in between all these custody battles for years. Imagine not knowing who is your dad or mom, what's their culture, or not having half of your family tree. Imagine not knowing your full medical history because you were alienated by one of your parents. Imagine watching your parents go through a tough divorce in court while you might be getting brainwashed, being gaslighted, or worst, being used as a bargain for divorce child support payments. There is an awesome book on parental alienation called Divorce Poison by Dr. Richard Warshak. In that book, there's a letter written by a person who was alienated as a child. Let's listen to David K, a fellow YouTuber, reading through this letter before I come back to this issue. I was about 11 at the time. My first memory of my mother expressing outrage that I still love my father was when my father took me out to lunch to tell me about the divorce and tell me what my life would be like after the divorce. I recall asking if it would be like a friend's situation, and he said yes. This friend enjoyed a good relationship with both parents, and I recall feeling satisfied with this and not feeling frightened at all about the changes that would occur in our lives. When I came into the house, my mother immediately asked me how I felt, and I said fine, and she burst into tears and raged at me for the first time in my life. She repeatedly stated that if it was her father who left her mother, she would be so angry that she'd never speak to her father again. I clearly recall thinking, uh-oh, I'm not supposed to be okay with this. I still remember my father being so surprised and confused the next time we talked, and I expressed anger toward him and outrage that he was leaving us. That experience marked the beginning of my mother's systematic brainwashing us. Each time I was with my father, our relationship would return to normal, as would my feelings for him. But upon coming home, I was literally bombarded by my mother, who fired questions at me, asking me how I felt, what we did, etc. I recall her telling me that he was undependable, that he didn't really care, and that if I still loved him, it was only because he was brainwashing me. This is what life was like throughout adolescence, whether it was my mother constantly putting my father in no-win situations as proof of his horrible nature, or my mother telling my father without our knowledge that we didn't want to talk to him because we were disgusted by him, and then getting off the phone and telling one of us that he didn't want to talk to us because he was upset with us, or her encouraging us to write our feelings in a letter to him that she said she would never mail and then ma mailing it to him anyway without our knowledge. My, my mother was also very indiscriminate in whom she badmouthed my father to, particularly anyone who expressed concern for him. Most people backed away from him because they just didn't want to deal with the mess, which left us with the sense that she was immensely powerful. No one really saw the truth, so what was the point of fighting it? My father never badmouthed my mother. If we ever did complain about her to him, I recall that the most he would say is, she hurts the ones she loves the most. Can you feel the amount of pain, confusion, fear, anxiety, and trauma in the letter? That's what happens in most of these situations. After two decades of my life, having all these questions and little to no answers, it is time for me to figure out the real answers for all these tough questions. It is time to get to the bottom of this. 
This is what this podcast is all about. It is called You Are Double because every one of us came from two people. The genes inside of you are from two sets of genes mixed together. How you look, from how tall are you, how short are you, from how dark or fair are you, how small or big your features are from your eyes, nose, mouth and all that. More importantly, you are also the mix of two different cultures, two different families. So yes, two people and that's why you are double. Now, with that said, throughout the upcoming episodes, I will search for the answers by speaking to child and marriage experts, divorce lawyers, lawmakers, politicians, community leaders, and of course, children and parents who have gone through parental alienation. While I do that, I implore you to use this podcast to help you in whatever way that works for you. If you are a parent who is getting alienated, use this podcast to understand that you are not alone. There are people just like us who are trying to help you and we are on your side. If you are a teenager who is seeing this happen to you or in your family, I hope this podcast will give you more perspective on this issue. If you are someone who have gone through this in the past, I hope my conversations will help you to find peace, reduce the trauma and anxiety that you are carrying and ultimately convince you to forgive and reunite with your alienated parent. If you are a lawmaker, leader or a lawyer, we hope to give you more points, more data and of course, more perspectives that you can use to argue your case, make your statement and to convince others that parental alienation is a serious issue. Last but not least, if you are someone like me who haven't been personally impacted by parental alienation, I hope this will help you to gain some awareness on this issue so that you can empathize and help others. In addition, of course, I hope this will answer the questions that you have on relationships, marriages, divorces, co-parenting and so much more. I'm SK and with the help of people over at findmyparent.org, we bring you You Are Double Podcast. I welcome you to bookmark and add us to your favorite podcast app. Our first episode will be coming next week and we will be releasing new episodes every Wednesday. Talk to you very, very soon.